Hmm. Interesting. Right. <clears throat> yes, yes, yes. Hola. What is going on with these pawns? I'm hearing now there was the third found. Boy, you got to hand it to the state police. Nothing like mum's the word. There's Pat Cotalessa. I didn't know Pat was going to be here. Good afternoon, one and all. There's Pamela. Hola. There's Jane Rice having a good... There's our friend David Sammartino, all part of Team One. Folks, please share that you are watching. How about that? No names yet. Thank you for the stars, David. None. I'm hearing about another female found in a pond. Folks, what is with... I'll explain. Bear with me. Please share that you're watching. Who did I see? There's Chrissy. Allison Foster's here. There's Brenda. Good afternoon, everybody. Tonight, State of the Union. Thank you, Jane Rice. Keeping a good thought on Buddy. State of the Union tonight. I, I don't know. Do I have to watch this? <clears throat> Do I really have to watch this person? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose it's part of the job, but it's a tough part of the job. We'll say that much. All right, we're live on the radio. Un momento. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two-minute mark. I can't get over this thing about the, the ponds. Hmm. I, here, here's the thing. I mean, I... Someone... I, I had a long discussion with someone, retired law enforcement, said now he said he said sounds like a serial killer that's what he said and they are so freaked by it that they're not telling anyone but i would argue uh, how many more victims are there going to be you know i think of that scene in jaws where they let the people go swimming in the water without knowing so the rhode island state police will not say anything anything at all no name no details as a matter of fact all right we're live in one minute hearing about a third body found in a pond, another female. Rhode Island State Police, why can't we get more details? Because we said so. Oh, I didn't realize. Thank you for clarifying that. 
Alright, folks, we're, we're live in just a moment. We're live right now. Hey, it's 12.06. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I want to welcome everybody in as part of our Noon Report Live, Facebook Live. You know, I was about to do YouTube this morning as well and Twitch. We're going to start to do it on those platforms as well. And we had a small glitch. I'll have to try to figure it out later. And I thought, we, we know the Facebook is smooth. We sometimes run into problems when we try to do three in one. I, I don't know what to tell you. But that was the intention. We will get there. We will get there. We, it's growing pains. We're getting there. We're getting closer. Um, it's 12.06. Again, good afternoon, one and all. AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I want to welcome again. We have so many new listeners now. It's incredible. The amount of email I'm getting from individuals in Massachusetts and then a lot of the uh, YouTube people that are discovering the program as well. Uh, I am going to talk about that. This is huge today at two o'clock. I will be off the radio, but we'll cover it later. And that is the um, the arraignment this morning. They, they're going to have by via Zoom the mother from Duxbury, known as Luxbury. We're going to ha- they're going to have her, Lindsay Clancy, and. I believe, I'm told, we're going to learn a lot more about what happened that night that her husband, as I first reported, he went out for takeout and then stopped at CVS. He was gone roughly 20 to 25 minutes, came back, and she had taken the lives of the three children. So it's my understanding we're going to learn more about what happened and what he walked into and what those first responders walked into. I'm here and we're going to learn more about that coming up at 2 o'clock. And I also, this is still a, a breaking situation with this Brockton Hospital. It's a, it's a little deceiving because of the number of alarms that were called. I mean, when people are hearing four alarm fire, five alarm fire, it's my understanding, just that based on what we've seen, it, normally you would think a complete raging, out-of-control fire. It seems to be more about transporting many of the patients from that Brockton hospital. So we'll give some kind of an update. But the biggest thing is we're going to start off is this mystery that continues regarding the female bodies being found in local ponds. And what's, what's more surprising, and, and I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to walk you through it. So with what we know, with what we know, um, it's a problem because I'm having a number off-the-record conversations with people. And, you know, I'll tell you, it's always a double-edged sword because if, if if I give someone my word that what we discuss will remain off the record, then... I, I, I can't, uh, this trust is everything. It just is. You can't violate that. And not everyone understands that. I clearly get that. But, and, and many times it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes people swear you to secrecy, can't report on this. Sometimes I always argue, listen, it, what if I can get it confirmed another way? So now you're my second confirmation. Sometimes, many times then you, you filter out that, Sometimes people have valuable information. Other times they, they don't have valuable information. It, it's never guaranteed. Um, I also want to, well, I don't want to get it off on a tangent because I'm going to talk about the pods. Recently, it was through another platform. Someone said, well, what if you did this? What if you secretly recorded the police you were talking to? 
Now, again, I didn't say this is anyone that has any. I, I was like, I, have you completely lost your mind? That That is like, that. that's not even stupid. That That's offensive. Absolutely not. Record? How would you like that? It's like many times when I'm on a scene. I know I'm going into total uh, rant territory here, but I'm on a scene. And there's a, a news reporter next to me, and they're doing a stand-up. And these people are doing, walk behind them. Shout out in front of Like, it, it's so, I can't even put into words how annoying that is. Simply because of the reason, I, you look at it, how would I feel? How would I feel if I was doing that? And, and a member of, you know, whatever, Channel 10, Channel 12, was suddenly walking behind me or making noises. I mean, it, it's so, ugh. Social media tests our patience, folks. But anyhow. Staying on schedule, this portion of the program, before I tell you about the ponds, is brought to you by Propane Plus. Now call them today, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Propane Plus, three generations. Do you use propane? You do. Then call Propane Plus today. They're going to serve you for a long time. Online billing, schedule a service, delivery, the click of a button. They have a very user-friendly website. It's propaneplus.com. Residential, commercial, just type in your zip code. But you can depend on Propane Plus. And I'm telling you, they are the type of company you want to do business with. Propane Plus, 401-885-4209. Or in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. And remember, they, as I said, have a very user-friendly website. And it's propaneplus.com. Well, folks, good afternoon. I will have an update on the ponds coming up uh, before the end of the day on DePetro.com. I've been following up on some other stories. But don't forget DePetro.com, which is brought to you by the Coincident. Lunch, dinner, drinks, and the lounge. They're waiting for you at the Coincident. So I'm looking at, I just want to go, Brockton Hospital evacuated. Nine alarm fire. Nine alarm fire. But from what I saw, it seems to be more about that they were, they needed to transport a lot of the, the patients. There was no power in the hospital. And so they had to get all those patients out of there. So a lot of times, as I said, when you would hear of like, I mean, you hear of a three alarm fire, it's usually raging. Four alarm fire is rare. Anything above that, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I've seen a nine alarm fire, but I, I believe the, the reason for that is because of, so it's very deceiving. People are saying, like, you got to get over there. It's a nine alarm fire, eight alarm fire, whatever. It, it actually was just um, a, a lot of the evacuation of the, um, evacuation of the patients that were there. Now, I, I do want to touch on, though, this situation regarding the ponds. Because, and folks, I, I would tell you, if I had concrete information, if I uh, could get someone... Now, now the focus goes to, to really to Burrowville. But so, and I want to just back up. There's, there's several things at play here. Number one, that's just right now. I, I'm going to go with what we have. And I'm going to go back a little bit. It was, it was Wednesday, December 21st. And we learned that it was kind of mild that week. It was the Wednesday before Christmas. Christmas was on Sunday, Christmas Eve, Saturday. So Wednesday, December 21st, someone fishing at Carbuncle Pond in Coventry, which I frankly had never heard of before. 
that they discovered a body. And they called DEM and they called the Coventry police. And then uh, they may have called the police, called DEM, whatever. But state police went on to the scene. And when state police got there, for those of you that remember, it started with you and media on the kind of the outskirts of the pond. And then they, they were very rudely actually moved the media and they were basically saying stand by the road even though you're way off the pond now as someone that goes to crime scenes literally every week that made no sense to me because there was no danger and uh, you know you i've been at a crime scene many times they put up the tape and 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 i you know i've been there and we do the live stream when they're literally taking the body out um, I've been at a crime scene where you can see there's a vehicle where someone was shot and killed in the vehicle happened in Oneyville. We could still see the body from where I was. And they were waiting for the medical examiner to, to get on site. So there's, a, there's the essence of the crime scene and the tape that goes up. I, I've never seen a situation, I was even trying to, at the time, reason with the member from the Rhode Island State Police to say, well, what are you like? What are you talking about? Where there's no danger here, unless there's someone loose in the area. I don't know why we couldn't just be. They'd already removed the body. I don't know why we couldn't be down by the pond. It was, you know what? The the case in Coventry with Carbuncle Pond was was bizarre from the from the uns, from the onset of it, of of just how the state police would would not let you near the water. So, okay, so that happened. And then, again, and I, I don't want to waste too much time on this, but for those that remember, we were there in the media, you know, Channel 10 was there and 12 and 6, so it's the four of us. And we were told someone would come up and brief us. And I got tired of waiting around, and plus they were ridiculous with standby. The media should be by the side of the road. Well, the cars, if you know how to get to Carbuncle Pond and Coventry, the, the cars were you know, can go 45 miles an hour and up. So I said, I'm not going to stand by the road. There's sun glare. Who the hell knows what could happen? Like, this is ludicrous. You know, the pond is deep. So, uh, and again, I, I say that as I have, and many of you know, I mean, I've been at a crime scene where there's still the shale casings. Probably the worst was the gang shooting in Washington Park on Carolina Avenue, May of 21. And that was 53 shell casings. That was a full gang blowout on the street. Now, granted, we started off there, and then Providence Police moved us to Allen's Avenue. So so that was that day, no statement. Then the next day, then the next day, then Christmas Eve. Then then I realized, all right, now a week's gone by, they're not saying anything. And I thought, who knows, maybe because of Christmas, people are off. But then, you know, then you realize today is Tuesday, February 7th, and I mean nothing, nothing other than through other sources. We've learned it was a female it was an obvious sign that there was a homicide, not a self-harm and not who's, you know, it's not like a swimming or I initially thought, okay, maybe this was someone who went swimming there at some point in warmer weather and then they just found the individual. But that is not the case. They, they, you know, we've since heard that the person was brought there and basically executed or whatever. So that's odd. And then I start hearing of other stories of, um, of people that believe they have reported 
that they thought they saw a female in a pond and they contacted state police and then they didn't hear anything again. You know, not everyone stays on scene, not everyone calls the media. There's different hours something like this could happen. And the thing about some of these ponds, stay with me, in Rhode Island, is, let's face it, this isn't a heavy time of use that people would be there. And a lot of times they could be secluded or hidden. A lot of times, depending on the border of where it is, that let's just say it's people from Connecticut and then they come and then police are like, no, it's closed for a while. They don't, you know, someone from from um, Connecticut, they don't necessarily call, you know, me or call Channel 10 and say, hey, I think there's something going on at such and such a pond. Now we have the situation in Burville on Sunday where now another female has been pulled out of a pond. So I, I am... I don't know. I, I'm going to sh- share with you what I know. I mean, at this point, I, and I've even tried to reason with at least the state police that you're, you're causing public worry. I hear from people that live near the pond in Coventry. Is this something we should worry about? You know, I've heard from women that walk their dogs near there. I heard from a father that his uh, young daughter likes to run around there. In the past, they thought it was safe. You know, they're asking me if I have information. I, I would pass it along if I had it. So now there is starting to be speculation. Is it possible that the same person is responsible for killing these women and then putting them in the ponds? And someone even draw out, there's actually a way you can get from one pond to the next. Now, I also want to remind people, that's just women that are being found. So then you start to go to other people are questioning. I think in early December, there was somebody called saying they thought they saw a female in a pond. And then, you know, now other people are starting to say there was a situation where they saw police activity at night near one of the ponds. And I I admit I'm not that familiar Um, I mean, there are some people that really know all the ponds because they have regular fishing literally almost year-round. There are people like out fishing today. There are people that do different things that would bring them into that. I I don't fall into that category. But this is another example that I I wish I had an answer for you. Um, It's very, very puzzling. The, The Rhode Island State Police... Like many, like many of you, I, I, you, you, you have to look at how much of this falls into, as someone, you know, that for many, many years, the state police were, were seen as a cut above. They were. I know of different people in local law enforcement that try to get on the state police, but you need to be sponsored. You had to be politically connected and, and they couldn't get on. And then they go on to have very successful careers in other departments of law enforcement. But, you know, the Rhode Island State Police, you go way back when Brendan Doherty was on with the David Letterman show and was, I, you know, described as and voted like best outfit in the boots and the hat. But it, it's just starting to seem we're a long way from that. And admittedly, 
A lot of it seemed to start with, it was under Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo when, quite frankly, you know, I, I, um, I'm actually seeing right now 10th alarm now requested to the staging area in Brockton. I mean, this is, but again, I believe it's just all for ambulances. I am not hearing anything about a fire. So I think they have the fire knocked down out of control, you know, under control. But let me just stay with this is, um, when did it shift? It seemed to shift when Gina Raimondo, Governor Raimondo, now Commerce Secretary, she seemed to feel that the head of the Rhode Island State Police, Colonel O'Donnell, had she felt he had too much power. And she wanted to push him out. And, and whatever agreement they came to, that he decided to leave. And then she put in Anna Sumpko and said, I want to have the first female colonel of the Rhode Island State Police. And, you know, at the time, people cheered on and Ramundo and blah, blah, blah. But then, as we know, things fell apart shortly after that when they had the incident of a trooper had his car stolen and then there was a miscommunication. They thought the guy that had stolen it, there could have been a rifle in the trunk. And then the state police panicked and shot the wrong truck when they were on that 610 connector over by the mall to get to 95. And then a Sumco shows up on the scene in plain clothes. I mean, the whole thing was bizarre. And then she, she showed herself. And again, it doesn't, you know, I'm not really knocking her. She, she clearly wasn't up to the job. And then we've, we've gone through... You know, you had Colonel Manny, and now you have Governor McKee. And, and Governor McKee taps someone, and I don't, I don't know Colonel Darnell Weaver at all. Um, he, he's not the most visible, I'll say that. He's not a camera hog, we'll also say that. But, but we have fallen into this that I, I get a lot of negative feedback about the Rhode Island State Police from other departments, other law enforcement. And then, admittedly, listen, they've had a run of some pretty bad, embarrassing incidents and in, in questionable stories, right? The former Joe Phil, Lieutenant Philbin, you know, there's allegations in some media. I never really went on the story because I, I don't think there was fully enough there, but that he, that a member of the Rhode Island State Police was somehow involved with a, a murder and it was covered up and you deal with that. There was a trooper that got in trouble down in Westerly. There was something that went wrong in Connecticut. They have hit a little bit of a patch of some, some pretty bad PR, along with also some, you know, questionable incidents on the highway that you just wonder how effective... The agency right now, and again, I, I know a number of state police. I, I still support a lot of the, the troopers, the day in, the day out, the ones that are out there. But it just seems to be a little bit of drift with leadership right now. And, and part of that, I'm even going to say, is not their fault. Um, because let's face it, I mean, Governor McKee commanded them. I was there. He commanded them to arrest people that were protesting in front of his house in the fall of 21. 
September, whatever it was, September, October. He demanded it. I want them out of there. Arrest them. Get them out of there. He he uses the state police as, as kind of like, you know, again, it shouldn't come as shock to anyone that Governor McKee misuses and abuses the state police, much like he abuses all aspects of his power, right? Just like he, you know, we're going to have the National Guard hand out water to the homeless at the Cranston Street Armory. I mean, I, I just don't recall. I was talking with someone the other night about this is someone who's kind of like a political statehouse insider said, I just don't remember anyone that had less respect for the office. Governor McKee, everything is, it's just so small time. And, and it's so different than, say what you want about Gina Raimondo, but, you know, she kept people on their toes. She was very clear who was in charge. You didn't have the type of screw-ups and mishaps that you have with the McKee people. Um, so, so the state police, though, I'll, I'll say this. I hope Burrowville, I hope Burrowville police. Now, a problem with a lot of these smaller police departments that sometimes don't, they don't, um, they're not, I don't want to say they're, it's not that they're unable to, to handle a lot of these situations, but if it's out of their wheelhouse, they, they're not all the time fully in the normal day-to-day of handling some of these incidents. And I, and I say that in a very respectful way. I think a good example of that, of what I'm talking about, was what happened in Cumberland last June, where you had that horrible, tragic murder-suicide, and the children were in the house, and it was the husband and the wife, and... And the Cumberland police were kind of hamstrung a little bit because of, uh, because without getting into details, it was a little unusual, not that unusual, but they followed along. As a result of that, it dragged out longer than it probably should have had to. And whenever something like that happens, then you have people start to speculate, rumor starts. So I hope that the Burville police... I hope they just take action and they release the information that they have. I'm, I'm, it's like a lot of people. It's, it's a little frightening if the Burrowville police somehow follow the lead, let the, the Rhode Island State Police take the lead on this because it's, it's crazy. They immediately, the first thing that, the Ryan State Police do is slam down no information in or out and in, in a ridiculous way. Um, this morning, Brockton, the, the Brockton mayor, the Brockton fire chief, they, they were having a press conference on scene this morning at the Brockton hospital. As behind them, the fire's going on and, and then, uh, you know, all the patients are being evacuated. On scene, they're doing a press conference. Rhode Island State Police, a body was found December 21st. Not one press release, not one announcement, nothing. I, I frankly don't understand. I don't relate this head in the sand ostrich approach. Because we said so, everybody's always a tough guy. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to what to make of that. Why? Like where that comes from, unless, 
I don't know what to make of it. Is it coming from McKee? But I'll say this. if With the Burrowville Pond situation and finding another female body, I believe it is incumbent on the Burrowville police to put the community at ease and level with people. We're adults. You have adults out there. Um, people can't alter their routine or be on the lookout for certain things if you're going to keep people in the dark. You know, this attitude of we, we don't want to tell people we think we have a serial killer on the loose because then there'll be panic. You know what's going to cause panic is if you have a serial killer on the loose and they start finding bodies three, four, and five of women in ponds. So I, I fundamentally disagree with the state police policy of just keep everything under wraps. Don't say anything. Don't tell nobody nothing. I, I, I just, you know, we, we've seen nationwide some pretty high-profile murders. We've seen in our own region police, um, prosecutors, what have you, very outspoken with details. Very high-profile, as a matter of fact. And, and in the early stages of it, so, so not, and, and I'm just going to stay with the Coventry Carbuncle Pond one for, for a moment. Not, nothing, not a one sentence, not we have a Jane Doe. It happens, happens all the time with certain police agencies. We have a Jane Doe. We have a John Doe. We have found a male body. You know, I, I want to give credit to Providence sometimes when I've covered it. They have pulled a body out of a body of water um, and for a period of time it can remain a John Doe or Jane Doe and they put that out you know we believe it is a male seems to be around 40 years old tattoo blah 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 they can determine how long the person may have been in the water whatever it is and so if someone thinks they may know of someone blah 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 fits the description missing in the area whatever but that, that's why, admittedly, I, I don't know what to make of it. I, I wish I had an answer for you. This, um, the state police are the exact opposite. So I, I would say this to the state police. Whatever it is, the public can handle it. I, I think that's such a misguided notion. But is someone telling them, just keep it under wraps? You're going to panic people. Let's not say anything. Maybe it'll go away. I like that one. Maybe if we don't say anything, it'll go away. If, if you start to find... Now, and I also want to remind people, that's just who we know of. There's a lot of bodies of water. There's a lot of different ponds. We, and there's been an increase in missing women, sadly, tragically. I'll tell you one thing. You're not going to solve the problem if you, you pretend it's, it, it didn't happen. The Rhode Island State Police pretending... What body? You know, being wise guys, that, that, that's not going to solve anything. What shark? Was some, didn't someone get attacked by a shark? What shark? Did you see it? You know, I like that. Oh, did you see the person? No, I didn't see the person in the pond. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I didn't, but the, the Coventry police did and the DEM did. And some of the people that were fishing in the area saw it. So did I happen to see the body in the pond? No, you kept me at the road. Did I see the body in the pond? You look out the window at midnight. The ground is clear. 
You wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning. You have snow in your backyard. Did you see it snow? Well, you know, I didn't see it snow. But when I went to bed, I looked out the window and there was no snow in my backyard. When I woke up at 6 o'clock, there was an inch of snow. So I think we can safely say that it snowed last night. But you didn't see it? No, I didn't see it snow. So I don't know how far the Rhode Island State Police want to go with this ridiculous nature of, you know, well, how do you know? How do I know it snowed? Because I woke up and there was an inch of snow on the ground. You know, unless we want to go with, okay, possibly there was a crash on the moon and some of the moon dust fell into our area or an airplane went over and sprinkled, you know, something white out in everybody's yards or a Martian came down and spray painted everyone's backyards white. Like where does this lead the whole business of, did you see the body? I equate that to, did you see it snow? No. So you, you woke up and just because you see snow in the backyard, you think it snowed last night. Yes. 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 I woke, went to bed. I looked out. It was dry. I woke up. I could see puddles of water. What can I, you know, take out of that? It must have rained last night, but you didn't see it. No, I didn't see it rain. Foolishness. Folks, this portion of the program, I want to uh, offer you on this Tuesday, Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial. Call today your free consultation, 401-434-1510. Now, I really want to uh, reach out to those that learn more about long-term care coverage. A lot of people don't find out that maybe they should have had long-term care coverage for their parents, maybe for themselves, for a spouse. Sit down, free consultation, Tom Bryan, Ameriprise, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massoy and Avenue in East Province, Ameriprise Financial. Now, I really want to point out on this Tuesday, it, it all comes down to what it is that you would like to take advantage of the free consultation. Sometimes it's retirement. Sometimes it's someone who's retired, but wondering that if they get a job, how that could impact them. Other way, you know, there's all sorts of equations. Everyone's needs are different. Maybe it's major purchase planning education planning. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial. Folks, call today, free consultation, 401-434-1510. Free consultation. Your chance to sit down, maybe it's you and your spouse. Sit down with our guy, Tom Bryan. Lay it all out. Let a qualified expert get the advice, guidance that you need. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise, 401 434 1510. Well, folks, good afternoon. Right now it's 1237. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now remember, you can always listen online uh, at the website, which is DePietro.com. Now, I'm just looking at, um, boy, look at that headline, Boston Globe. The first Super Bowl with two blacks, st- two black starting quarterbacks is inspirational indeed. During Black History Month, they write, In a world where representation matters, 
seeing Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes on the field. Well, it means a lot. Takes the field. There's every reason to celebrate the equation. For the black quarterback who came before them, who never got the opportunity, those who may follow in their footsteps. That is by Tara Sullivan. History being made. It's amazing during Black History Month. Boy, you go back to, and obviously I'm not running a sports talk show here, but it's just, you go back to that Bengals game against the Chiefs. I, I don't, is it really a coincidence or did the NFL sense, hey, we have, in, in the aftermath of what happened in Memphis, we have a real opportunity here. Now, Boston Globe, Lindsey Clancy, and I apologize because years ago with Plunderdome, there was Rosemary Glancy, and I recognize that sometimes when I've been saying Clancy, I've been meaning to say Clancy, I say Glancy, but it's with a C, Clancy. Duxbury woman accused of murdering her three children to be arraigned from hospital. So this is today at two. The Duxbury woman allegedly murdered her three children, then attempted suicide, begins her journey through the court system today. Lindsay Clancy, scheduled to be arraigned via Zoom from the Boston Hospital, where she is recovering from a self-inflicted wound and injury she sustained after jumping from the second floor of their home January 24th. The arraignment is set for 2 o'clock. The 32-year-old labor delivery nurse facing charges for murder, strangulation, and assault and battery with a dangerous weapon in Plymouth District Court after she allegedly strangled her infant son, Callan, who was seven months at the time, then turned eight months the day before little Callan passed away. Uh, Five-year-old daughter, Cora, and three-year-old son, Dawson. More information about the crime may be disclosed in court. A judge has previously sealed police reports and other documents related to the investigation. Patrick Clancy, Lindsay's husband and father, had left the house about 20 minutes. Shop at CVS and pick up takeout on the night of the incident. So he returned home around 6 o'clock. He left right after 5.30. Called 911 four minutes later. Uh, her attorney, Kevin Reddington of Brockton, he is He's a very strong, I don't have to say, Kevin Reddington, 72 years old, very formidable defense attorney, has signaled he'll pursue a not guilty by reason of insanity defense and said Lindsay Clancy was being over-medicated at the time of the murders. He also had a forensic psychologist examine her for evidence of postpartum mood disorder. Reddington hopes to convince John Canavan III to allow Lindsay Clancy to await trial with her parents in Connecticut or at the Department of Mental Health Worcester Recovery Center and Hospital instead of MCI Framingham, where many women detainees are held before trial. So that's very significant how they decide on that today.
Cruz's office has not made its stance known, but during a hearing Friday, Plymouth Assistant District Attorney Jennifer Sprague argued Lindsay Clancy is a security threat to herself and others. Lindsay Clancy inflicted moderate injuries to herself and killed three children, the prosecutor noted. She is not paralyzed. She can move her arms. She can move her legs and feet. So it's not someone who doesn't have the ability to move. Cruz has not said publicly how or if he'll take the mental health concerns raised by Reddington into account when he presents the case to a grand jury. He has the option, as does any prosecutor, to seek first-degree murder charges, which could lead to life imprisonment without parole or a lesser charge that could give her a chance of parole at some point. Cruz has, can also, as some district attorneys have done, support the defense theory that she was mentally ill and should be sent to a psychiatric hospital where she would receive annual reviews to determine if she could be freed from state custody. The prosecution will shift to Plymouth Superior Court after she's indicted in the coming weeks. Her trial likely won't take place for another year or more. So that's coming up. Now, um, something that is um, really interesting. How about that? I still can't get over that. Nine alarm fire report at Brockton Hospital. Patients evacuated. Um, something that uh, is, is incredible. If you have followed, whether it is on Facebook or TikTok, but any of the posts that I have done, it is, um, it is remarkable. A couple things about that. The number, and I've talked about this, there's a group online. On Facebook, I've seen it. Maybe it's in other platforms, but Lindsay's Army of Love, and they are standing by her. And they have this, it seemed to be over 500 people. I, I believe it's all women. Maybe maybe there's some men in there as well. But something that just strikes me is the number of some of the women commenting, some of the people that are commenting, that immediately declare her, she should be found not guilty. She had postpartum psychosis. People have no idea what women go through. Uh, you know, and then it starts the questions, have you ever given birth? Have you ever blah, blah, blah. So I, I think we're going to learn more. Now, there, there's a lot of different parts of this. There's also, there's some very gruesome details to this case that I have heard about. I know a number of people have heard about. And I, I'm going to let the court, I, I don't see a need to put them out there. I'll, I'll let the court, um, or the prosecutors, I should say, in the court, if they want to put out some of that information. But my point is, I think we have to learn learn more. Before people go into, with some people, it's almost like automatic. That seems to be their initial absolute reaction is not guilty. This is what she suffered from, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, the whole healthcare system is broken. And, you know, she, that poor woman needs help. And I feel so bad for him. And I... I'm going to, you know, come back to what a lot of people have said. I mean, you're, it's, it's so horrific. It's so barbaric. It, it seems hard to believe anyone, 
even in wartime, could take the life of those three children or three any three children or any children. Um, there, there are some individuals that encountered something like that in war and it permanently damages them, mentally, I mean, let alone the mother. And the unusual nature of this, of what was going into the house prior to him leaving, what was happening prior to him leaving, I still think there's a lot of details that we don't know. We've heard a lot about medication. I think um, it, th there's, there's some other aspects to this case. And again, I'm talking about the Duxbury mother who's going to be arraigned today at 2 o'clock. Now, we'll check with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, but normally the spouse would never be forced to testify in a trial. So you have that. Um, there are, it, it's just so extreme. I mean, there are, are, are a number. I think you, you have to go back to that woman that, you know, that was the bathtub and Andrea Yates. It's, it's so out of the norm. So I'm not, and this is where it kind of breaks off. No one's denying that there could certainly be some challenges of postpartum depression or whatever it may be. And, and you're right. It is a condition seemingly only experienced and known to women that have given birth. Freely admit that. But the actions of the two people involved, meaning the two parents, I, I just think... A lot more details are needed. A lot more details are needed of what was her, you know, condition that happened on a Tuesday night. What was her condition that weekend? What was her condition that day? Um, sometimes people, there's a lot of people that commit crimes because they're, they, they can be on different types of drugs. There's also people that sometimes don't take medication. There's some people that self-medicate. There's a variety of different things. I would just argue, I think we need some more information here. I don't think anyone should be definitive on either end. You know, some people put ridiculous things, death penalty. Well, there's no death penalty in Massachusetts, so that's not happening. Um, I can't imagine what type of life someone like that is going to live after this. It's... There were people that, that, that don't get over the death of, of one child, let alone the death of three children, and then never mind if they were actually the person that, that did it. So I think it's an unusual, I know, it's an unusual case. It's a complex case. I just wonder these people that immediately start saying, our health system is broken and it needs to be broken down. You, you don't know that yet. You don't, for people that immediately go to that, there are people that commit and do bad things because they don't take their medication. There are people that do things because they mix medication. There are people that do things because they make poor decisions when they're under medication. I mean, there's a variety of different things. I just don't see this immediately start treating her. This isn't someone that, that was saying they felt a little down. This isn't someone, if she had just jumped out the window herself, that there are people that do that. And it's anytime that happens, self-harm, it's sad and terrible. 
I just don't understand the people that immediately go to that obviously this woman is a victim and obviously the healthcare system is broken and obviously it's not her fault and obviously it's a not guilty. Uh, let's, let's wait and see till we, that, that may end up being the case. That would be a very extreme case. Whatever happened here, and folks, again, good afternoon at 12.50. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Whatever happened here, it needs to be examined because it's so rare. It's so extreme. And I know sometimes when we hear about shootings and various crimes, people want to say we, we want change to happen so this doesn't happen to anyone else. This is truly one of those situations. If there is uh, a hole in our healthcare system, then that, then that needs to be addressed. I also want to warn people a little bit about th- there's a difference between facts in the case and then how when attorneys get involved. And I fully understand that facts have to be proven in a case. But I, I, um, I hate, you know, the, the, it is a fact that that GoFundMe set up for the husband has raised over $1 million. I, I am not pointing my finger at the husband. I think some questions need to be asked about that because it does seem as though she, you know, he left the house. He left those three children with her. She, she waited until he was out of the house. And then she took the lives of those three children in a, in a very hideous, hideous manner. And so I, I think it's just because the defense attorney says, oh, no, he, he had no warning. You know, it, w- it wasn't a lightning bolt that came out of the sky. It, it, it's very possible there were some possible red flags. Something, what was going on leading up to 5.30 on Tuesday, January 24th. I think, I believe, we. some people just treat whatever the defense attorney says as, well, then that's, that's, that's what happened. That's the fact. That's, that's not necessarily true. And again, I, I fully get that not everyone can discern the difference between what's established as fact, what the defense attorney spin is. But I just want to remind people, the defense attorney for Brian Walsh claims, the husband of Anna Walsh, that he's completely innocent. And they expect to fully exonerate him. And so just keep that in mind. I haven't heard yet of a criminal defense attorney that had said, well, you know, they have my client dead to rights, and we're really looking forward to watching them uh, pursue that in, in court. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by AtMed Urgent Care. Now, I want to remind you, if you encounter a situation where there's someone, and I mean when you need urgent care, at med, A-T-M-E-D, at med urgent care. 
three loca- uh, two locations, excuse me, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnson, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. What do they do? They have doctors and nurses. They're open seven days a week. You just don't have the delay of an emergency room. Cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. Now, I have visited them. I visited both locations. Why? I, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but I had an emergency, and I didn't feel like waiting for seven to eight hours at an emergency room. And I was in and out. They saw me within 20 minutes, and I was in and out one, one of the times by an hour. At Med Urgent Care, more people are discovering them. Walk-in routine, urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries. Now, I've also mentioned if you're in a vehicle accident, many times the emergency rooms will say, if you're not coming here on a stretcher, some people say, I was in an accident, I want to just go, have them check me over. I, I think I'm okay, but blah, blah, blah. At Med Urgent Care. That's where you want to go. 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. It's at Med Urgent Care. Well, folks, good afternoon at 1255. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I also just want to uh, finish up on, I just hope the Boroughville Police will give as much information as possible and not be influenced if the Rhode Island State Police tells them, don't say anything, don't say a word. No, don't, for whatever reason. I I just, I'm unfamiliar with these crimes that happen where the public is benefited by keeping the public in the dark. I just, I'm unfamiliar with them. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that it, it, it can't happen, but I am just unfamiliar with um, of any of these crimes that can happen where we are collectively better off not knowing. You know, it, it's kind of, and as Donna Perry said, it sure sounds as if the Biden administration were prepared, if they were the renowned state police, they'd say, what balloon? The balloon the people are seeing over Montana. Oh, we have no comment. Well, there's there's a a balloon floating over Montana. Now, I also just saw this story. uh, CCRI is mourning the loss of an alumni killed on a humanitarian trip to Ukraine. Peter Reed died February 2nd after an ambulance he was in was shelled. He's from New Jersey, started at CCRI the fall of 2019, graduated in 2021, former U.S. Marine, 33 years old, two deployments in Afghanistan. So he was over there rendering aid. He provided aid after Hurricane Sandy. He trained, uh, treated 10,000 trauma patients in Iraq. He also founded a global response medicine, a nonprofit providing emergency care in crisis. Oh, wow. His wife, Alex Potter. He was selfless, charming, and brash. I love the way he forcefully advocated for wounded civilians. Ability to connect and love literally everyone he came in contact with. Well, that is very, very sad. So a CCRI grad who was a former Marine 
has been uh, killed on a Ukraine trip, trip to Ukraine, excuse me, a uh, humanitarian. Now, tonight will be this President Biden State of the Union. I, um, I will watch it. I will watch it. I will be on Twitter. I think we're forced to watch it. Um, I, 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 I'm going to say what I said about the, the whole State of the Union that like Governor McKee did. And I think it's kind of an outdated forum. For instance, Governor McKee, what the things he put forth in his State of the State, virtually like none of them come true. <laughs> so it's really just a night for him to stand up there and the pomp and circumstance that everyone claps and blah, blah, blah. But I, I think it just goes to like a bygone era when that, that was something of substance. We didn't see presidents all the time. We didn't see governors all the time. Um, certainly a day and age. You think now, how often are people really hanging on this? And, and I, I just, I view it now as it's, it's just another speech because so little, if any of it, gets done. All right, at 12.59. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to break for the 1 o'clock news, get you up to speed. They're still searching, getting parts of that Chinese spy balloon that was shot down. Now, next hour, we also, this is a very uh, um, desperate situation. Brockton, eight alarm fire at that hospital, trying to get those patients out of there. And then coming up at 2 o'clock, the mother from Duxbury will be arraigned. So we have another full hour to go. Next hour is radio only. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. We're going to break for the 1 o'clock news and be back on the other side.